Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Bible Immersion Podcast by the Well Madera, where we exist to point people to the hope and love and the wholeness found only in Jesus Christ. And the heart and the vision of this podcast is to do that by showing how every single story of Scripture snaps together to shape the one true story of Jesus. And we're calling this podcast Bible Immersion because we recognize that reading the Bible is its a lot like learning a new language. Uh, not only that, it's like stepping back into a completely new and unfamiliar time zone in a culture and a context that expects you to be fluent in their history and cultural traditions and even their inside jokes. And as we all know, the best way to learn another language is to completely immerse yourself in the culture and force yourself to begin thinking about everything through the life and the eyes and the language of that culture. And this is what the Bible is inviting you and me to do. We immerse ourselves in the story and we allow it to shape our identity as we begin to see that even a few thousand years later, we are still living within this same one true story. So as we walk line by line through the scriptures to know who God is and what he's like and what it means to be human as we're shaped by the story of Jesus, come with us and see how this divine gift of the scriptures points us to the past to inspire hope for the future. with love than a fatted calf with hatred. What uh, transition is that? NIV. NIV, okay. A small serving of vegetables. Yeah, that makes, I mean, herbs, I guess. Yeah. Uh, 17. I don't know if my kid would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A small serving of vegetables and it's, no meat. It's yeah. American, American Standard Version. Is that what you're using? English Standard. Yeah, ESV. Yeah, ESV. It, it it's puts a whole different spin on herbs. Yeah, because herbs really not vegetables. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think the main idea is here in Proverbs fifteen seventeen, talking about either herbs or vegetables on your table or a fattened ox, some good steak on your table? It has to do with the attitude, the the environment it's served in, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. They say one says where love is, and the other says with hatred, mm-hmm. served with hatred or with hatred with it. Yeah. Have you guys ever been around a dinner table where the food was really good, but the company was really awkward, or yeah. even worse than awkward, which is unbearable? <laughs> Not yeah. fun. I want. There you go. Dennis loves I I, I just jotted this down and said, who you have around the table is more valuable than what you have on the table. So That's who you have around the table is more valuable than what you have on the table. I think so what this proverb is getting at is, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love some good food on the table, but all that kind of goes away compared to who you're sharing that meal with. Mm-hmm. It's the difference between laughter and stories and memories and good, deep, rich conversation or just like, Kind of that awkward Thanksgiving with people you know and don't be around. So depending on how your Thanksgiving or Christmas goes, I like the fact that God recognizes me as clearly better than you. Like exactly, it's like it's even still a close call with love or hatred around the table. <laughs> yeah. Like growing up, my you know with my grandparents and living with us was very traditional. Mm-hmm. And so it's like kids really don't have a voice at the dinner oh, table. Wow. And yeah. my grandmother's number one rule was you eat what you're served. Mm-hmm. So whether it's vegetables or, but she always made a you know complete meal. Yeah. But yeah, it's like 
And what you get and put on your plate, you are not getting up until you eat all of it. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes you didn't show us that, oh, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Yeah. So a lot of times it's like that. Yeah. yeah. So mealtime for you wasn't necessarily like a good memory or experience. It's no, it like was good. We, just, yeah. we were just... It was different. Else. It was different. Yeah, yeah. You, you asked to speak as a child, you yeah. know, and then they hear you. We need to bring that into the hospital. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is not our rule. Yeah, that is not that yeah. yeah, because, well, for us, it's mostly to like, learn to respect your elders yeah. at the dinner table and yeah. eat your food. Mm-hmm. And then you can, like, have family time after that. Okay, yeah. But parents have to engage in yeah. yeah. And ours is, like, dinner and then prayer time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, good, guys. So let me, let me pray, and then we'll hand it over to Sean Roll back to Genesis. So, Father, we just thank you so much for uh, this time in the morning to to wake up and immediately just get into your word. And I thank you for my friends that we do have around this table to just talk, have a good conversation, all centered around your word, your truth. We know that your truth is life. Um, And so we want to fill our minds and hearts with your truth. We want to be close to you, near to you, God. We just thank you for for Jesus, our Savior. Um, Our sins have been washed away. Uh, We're called sons and daughters. We get to be in your presence. And we just say thank you. We worship you. We want to learn from you this morning. Holy Spirit, teach us just awesome things from your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I think the door's locked. Oh, is it? (laughs) Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, six o'clock we lock in. Is it locked? Yeah. Oh, it's a good morning. I don't know if we text anyone. Okay. Good morning. So we're going to recap a little differently today. Um, in the past, we've kind of just uh, gone off of memory. And uh, we're going to start back in Genesis 1 and read from one to where we are. It sounds like a lot because we've been doing it for five weeks, but it really isn't much. Dave and I will kind of uh, give a summary every few verses or so to kind of recap us where we're at. Um, would somebody mind uh, reading one through five, please? Genesis one, one through five. I'll start. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. Thank you. What do you guys remember about one through five? What do you guys remember from that? Yeah. There was no order to okay. begin with, and okay. he he created the order. Yeah, you guys weren't here for the first, I think, two weeks, so you might have missed. Um, we missed no, the second week. We did this. Okay. We yeah. missed the second. We weren't here. Week. Yeah. So in the first five verses, we see God the Father, we see the Holy Spirit, and we see Jesus. Do you guys remember talking yes. about that? Yes. Through John 1? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, and so you guys are up to speed on where that is, uh, God yeah. the Father, the Spirit, and Jesus? Yes. Okay. Excellent. She is. Because she was here, I wasn't. Okay, so real quick. Oh, that's um, right. We see God the Father, God in the beginning created. Um, when it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, that word is ruach. And that, that, um, that's the same word that we see in the New Testament, but in Greek, that relates to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So it's, it's the Spirit of God hovering that's over the That's the water we're talking about? No, the Spirit. Okay. The, the Spirit is, is ruach. And that would be translated in the... In the in the New Testament, Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. And then when it says God said, let there be light, 
the light he's talking about is Jesus. If we turn to, can you take a quick note so maybe you can take a look at this later? But when you look at uh, John 1 1, we see that it refers to Jesus as the light and being the life of men. And then God called the first day, uh, I think he called, uh, called light day and the darkness he called. Mm -hmm. And so the first five verses, really, what I want to emphasize is we see right from the beginning, we see God the Father, we see Jesus, we see the Holy Spirit, right from the beginning. And again, John 1, 1 really pushes that. Um, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. Did you want to pick up? Yeah, absolutely. So do you guys remember, um, Susan, you, you mentioned just kind of taking uh, the order and or taking the chaos and bringing the order out of it. So do you guys remember kind of these first couple days what God's beginning to do day one, two? It's kind of, yeah, what do you see here in day two that God, what kind of order is he creating here in day two? Sky and sea. Yeah, sky and sea. Yeah, yeah he, he, you know, the, the Genesis here uses the term uh, heavens or expanse. Mm -hmm. uh, this idea of separating kind of um, the, the skies above, the seas below. So once again, days one, two, three, we cre see him creating the environment or the space. Mm -hmm. And then days four, five, six, we see him begin to fill that. So Sean, anything else in there you would highlight? Okay. No, just the concluding of the second day. Cool. Okay, and then in nine, he says, And God said, Let the waters under heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land uh, earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout forth, ve sprout forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is in their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kind, and trees bearing fruit in which is in their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and it was an evening and a morning, couple of things in there. Um, we see clearly that uh, he created dry land. Right? Uh, we also see that he created trees. And there was, a, there was an interesting um, statement in there, after their kind. Do you guys remember talking about after their kind? Mm -hmm. And what that meant? Referencing order again? Yeah. Okay. Because what happens if they, they, they produce and it's not after their kind? What happens if Apple trees produce pears, pears. Or, or roses produce oranges. How does that how does that work out in the environment? It, it turns back into chaos, right? Yes. There has to be order. Um, there's another word in there I want to talk about. It's, it says, and God saw that it was good. Do you guys remember what that meant? <coughs> there you go. Good job. Uh, there was an evening and morning and the third day. Okay. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And also the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. To rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was an evening and a morning the fourth day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what I like about day four, this is what kind of gives us the tip-off, right? That when you're just reading through Genesis 1 for the first time, you think, oh, when God said, let there be light, you and I immediately think the sun, right? But uh, as Sean already highlighted, once we get to day four, we're like, wait a second. But if God didn't put the sun, moon, stars up there until day four, what was going on day one, right? So this is just kind of that confirmation of, Day one was a different kind of life, right? And we see that John 1 really highlights that for us. Um, and if you pick up later on in, in Revelation, you would see that confirmed even more that when we return to the new heavens and the new earth, when God recreates all things, you're going to 
to see that same light come back and no need for the sun, the moon, and the stars. But we didn't highlight this too much but uh, on our way through, but what do you guys think it means in 14 when it says, let the sun, the moon, the stars, these lights that govern the day and the night, uh, be signs and seasons for days and years? How do you think that, that impacts us even today when you hear that? The sun, the moon, the stars um, are for signs and for seasons for days and years. Something that we were reading that was written, you know, at least uh, several, you know, a couple thousand years ago is still affecting us today. What do, you, what do you think God meant by that, that the sun and the stars would be for days and seasons and years? Go ahead, sorry. I was just thinking that um, he was organizing the, the day from the night. Mm -hmm. He was... Um, it, well, it, and it says it's for seasons, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, because everything works off of the stars mm -hmm. and the moon, yeah. you know, the tides and all of that. Yeah. So it was just kind of an organization, mm -hmm. kind of an order. Yeah, absolutely. You see that even still, right? That everything God is putting in place is creating order. Yeah. And yeah, have you ever thought about, like, how did we land on a week being seven days? How did we land on, you know, a year being 365 and a quarter days? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, just things like that. How did we land on the seasons, you know, the, the before seasons, and this is when they come back around, and like a sense of rhythm in our life. It's like God God put that in there through the sun, the moon, the stars right away, that sense of, of rhythm and, and uh, to our lives. So, I mean, I love thinking, you know, how did we land there? Well, God... God put it in there. Yeah, that sense of calendar for us. <clears throat> it says when you see the big tree blossom, mm -hmm. you know that yeah. the sun's coming. Mm -hmm. So it's cool. Yeah, like you can see things change, right? So well, I can take that 20 through 23 year and John. God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning and fifth day. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, so we see uh, we see that uh, God creates the sea creatures. And it's interesting because he uses the language, the same language he uses for us that says be fruitful and multiply. Um, does that, remember when we talked about be fruitful and multiply, that didn't just mean reproduce. That meant do what God intended you to do to do mm -hmm. the purpose that God intended you to do. And so we see that the animals as well have a purpose just like mankind. Obviously not to the same degree, but they definitely have a purpose just like mankind does. Mm -hmm. um, Dave, go back to the sun, the moon, and the stars. Just want to point out that that, that really does um, reinforce the consistency of God, how He is reliable. Mm -hmm. um, day after day, we get the same God. Well, so for me, it's, it's kind of like looking at the circle of life. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, spring would be like the beginning of life. And then, yeah. like for trees, particularly for plants, mm -hmm. like yeah. they blossom during mm -hmm. the spring and then they. You know, bear their fruit and then they die mm -hmm. in the fall and you know, hibernate or sleep in the winter time and mm -hmm. they start over again. Mm -hmm. yeah. Are we getting blossoms earlier than earlier? Are we not? Uh, this year was about right. Is it? Mm -hmm. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Depends on where you're at, but yeah. Is there truth? About right. Is there truth to if we don't have as many freezes? Um, the blossoms come earlier, or is, is there yeah. that? Okay, mm -hmm. you can kind of expect that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it, uh, <clears throat> you know, because then we get, if it's not as cold, then we get more spring weather. And so then yeah. plants think it's spring, so they start acting, acting like it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. They go, mm -hmm. oh, okay. yeah. it's time to blossom. Which is interesting, which I would imagine is all based off the sun, right? As far as like what our temperatures were. It is, and, and also, um, Plants have this, I forget what the name is, it's a very long name, but it's a, 
it's a hormone that, that they get similar to what people get in the evenings when they fall asleep. Hmm. So they get that in the melatonin? fall. It's not it's not melatonin, but it's something like that. Uh-huh. It's something it's, it's got it's very long, very long chemical compound name. And so that keeps them from if we have a really warm June, January or something like that, that keeps them from making leaves and making flowers uh-huh. super, super early. Mm-hmm. They'll still always hold off till, you know, a certain point in the spring. Mm-hmm. Just kinda like people, you know, no matter what's going on, you usually sleep at least a little bit at night. Yeah. Kind of a weird comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are like trees. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> the more you talk about it, that's gonna be my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That's gonna be my opinion. I can't wait to read your book. <laughs> Let me know when it comes out. Twenty twenty one. All right, deal. <laughs> I'm excited. For the the parallels longer winter is gonna be. Yeah. The parallels are just so cool and you know, just can't get over yeah, it. Yeah. Alright. Uh, 24. <clears throat> and God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Real quick, um, along with pregnant with potential, um, I want you guys to remember that good. When God says it's good, it means it's fulfilling its intended purpose. Okay? Did you want to take that one? That's good. So we're talking day six here. So day six, uh, just kind of coming full circle, well, before we get to humanity, um, if we see the symmetry, I got it up on the screen for you here, is he, you know, after creating the expanse, the sky seems to bring up dry land on day three, and then on uh, day six, he puts on that land these, these land animals we see, right? And then uh, in day three, he had also, there's always this little side note, he also created trees. And then we kind of get to the highlight there in verse 26, um, where I know, Sean, you've emphasized the idea of then God said, right? It, it was and God said, and God said, and God said, but verse 26, then God says this crescendo of, of creation. And 26, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the, end of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them in your food. And every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heavens, and everything that creeps on the earth, and everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So at this point, God is God is blessing man and saying, um, "We're going to enter into partnership. We're now you are now going to rule and be my representation on earth." Do you guys remember talking about that? Okay, Sean, if I were to ask you to sum that up for us in just like a little quick sentence or two of what's the purpose of humanity in light of what we see in Genesis one, what would you say? Um, I would say that our purpose is to uh, be fruitful, multiply, fill, and subdue. But in that, that means that we are to um, expand, create, to reflect the image of God in all ways um, for the better for the betterment of humanity. Mm-hmm. That 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 would be that I would say that is our purpose. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay, so on the seventh day, chapter two. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day 
and made it holy because on it God rested from the work he had done in creation. You guys remember about, uh, about the, the rest, the seventh day? Pardon? The Sabbath? Yeah, yeah, God's creating the Sabbath, right? Because God was tired. I wasn't yeah. here last week, but I was Oh, yeah. good. So, uh, Shabbat. Shabbat, yeah, right? Okay. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for crackers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Dave, you want anything to this happen? Yeah, just going back to, you know, since we highlighted this morning the sun, the moon, the stars, the sense of rhythm, if you were to follow throughout the Old Testament, look at how many sevens there are. Oh. Like the number seven. There um, you don't want to get too crazy with numbers in the Bible. You can go all kinds of rabbit trails and hunting with that. You can get really weird and think you know when you can protect, you know, pre- you know, predict the end of the world. So don't go there. But I do recommend, like, look at threes, look at sevens, look at the number 12, look at the number 40. Those numbers, as you follow them throughout the, the Old Testament, have just a lot of weight and significance to them. But if you follow the pattern of sevens throughout Scripture, it's a very important number to God that He mm-hmm. continues to use and kind of show patterns of what He's doing and what He's about. If you kind of clue in, so isn't seven that matters. What's that? Isn't the number seven perfection? Yeah, yeah. If you're to kind of follow that throughout each time it's mentioned, it's this idea of perfection, completion. Um, obviously, and I think that's one of the reasons here in chapter two we see this idea of rest, like. First six days of his creation, he says, that's perfect, it's good, it's very good. Uh, day seven is a day to just enjoy the completion, the perfection, the rest of creation. So, And then he institutes that into his people's lives with all these feasts and fasts and, mm-hmm. and festivals throughout the Old Testament, and they all have seven woven into them. As if to just reemphasize, the reason you're going to have a huge feast and rest from your work right now is because you're going to practice what? what I modeled for you, and you're going to celebrate completion. You're going to celebrate an awesome harvest that I just gave you, and you're going to thank me for all the plentiful harvest and and rest. So So just follow those numbers. They bring up a lot of good little hints, little traces. All right, uh, verse 5. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land, and it was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living creature. That's all you need so Sean and I had the hardest time. We spent like a couple hours together trying to figure out the difference between like mind, body, spirit, or soul, or you know what I mean? Like trying to work through that together. And I'm still kind of hazy on it. Yeah. Just of like, what if, you know, and I think even the Greeks and so forth argued over like the parts of humanity, like body, spirit, or are like, are we, what do they call it? twofold or threefold, I, I don't know. I'm still trying to work through that exactly what it means. But what the story does tell us is that God took the dust, formed it, and as soon as, as, soon as he breathes his life into us, that's when we become a living soul. Um, later on in Ecclesiastes, it talks about how he's written eternity into our hearts. This idea that, that uh, when he breathes life into us, mm-hmm. we are uh, eternal or uh, immortal beings. And we're meant to be spiritual beings with with human physical bodies. So, yeah. and those two aren't meant to be separated, which will matter later in the story. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so that's where we left off last week. Let's uh, move forward in from verse eight. It says that the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there He put man whom He formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil also. Uh, so it's two different trees? There are two different trees. There's a tree of life, and, and the tree, tree of knowledge, knowledge of good and evil. Sean, when it says in verse 8, planted, mm-hmm. 
found into your reading, it seems to me more physical than anything God's done. Like, like God has spoken a lot so far in the story, yeah. but this seems to be like God's getting his gardening on. You know? yeah. Do you see any like anything significant there with the fact that he's planting this garden? Compared um, to like just saying, let there be light, or let there be sun and stars, yeah. let there be trees. Well, that's an interesting question because we know that this portion is really a zoom-in of day six, right? Uh, day six is the, a big picture of the creation of mankind. This is kind of the zoom-in. So when you say planted, um, I don't know, the, I guess off the top of my head, the only thing I can think of is God is demonstrating to man how... How, how to do, how to plant, how to work the... Yeah. How to, how to create the food, out. how to make the food grow or whatever. And, and to be fair, guys, I have not looked into that. Uh, yeah. I, that's just off the top of my head. Sorry, it, it just hit me. I was like, man, so far... Well, I guess outside of <clears throat> saying he formed us, you see it's almost like his hands at work, right? right. Uh, this seems to be more physical, like he's, he's planting this garden versus yeah. just saying, hey, let there be a garden. It just seems like he's, he's shaping this garden or... God's getting his guardian on, I guess, is what I see. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, you guys remember what garden, when it talks about the garden, you remember what garden means, right? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, about when Jesus was on the cross, to today you'll be with me in paradise. Mm -hmm. And that was a reflection of the garden, right? So, Eden um, means pleasure or delight. So, there was a garden in Eden. Right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, here's interesting. Dave, you, you mentioned uh, how God had put man who he had formed there. What do, you, what do you think, why do you think God put him there? Um, what was the purpose in putting man in, into the garden? Got to start somewhere. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He knew what was coming. Okay. Yeah, I bet he did, yeah. yeah. Um, just like when he talks about good, when, when we hear good, we think that it's fulfilling its intended purpose. I think God's putting man into the garden um, to place him into his natural and intended place, but not just by location, by relationship. Because remember, what, the, what does the garden represent? It is a space where man and God come together and commune, right? You guys remember that? Yeah. And so this is a good spot for man and God to, to walk together. And we see that later. I won't, no spoiler, but we do see that later. <laughs> um, the other thing that's interesting is it says it's pleasant to the sight and good for food. And Dennis, we'll talk about the trees here in a minute too. But it says it's pleasant to the sight and good for food. So God's taking mankind. <clears throat> He's created for his purpose, putting them in an environment where man can fulfill his purpose and be in relationship to God. But then it says, pleasant to the sight and good for food. Does that strike you as weird, pleasant to the sight? It's beautiful there. Yeah. 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 You think God's, God's fulfilling um, man's mental desire to, if it were to reflect God, I mean, it seems like God has this desire to create and, and to, 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 to see, we see God see things and say it's good, it's very good, it's beautiful. And so if we're made in his image and likeness, I think that uh, mankind also has that desire to be to be mentally stimulating. So we're in, a, we're, we're in a place that's beautiful and it's good for food. So we have, um, we're, 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 God's got this covered mentally, he has this covered physically with food. And then what else is there? We have one more thing that God has. We have mental, physical... Oh, spiritual. Ah, how are we spiritually covered? Well, God's in the garden with us, right? Yeah. We get to walk with God. Yeah, pretty cool how it comes full circle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a perfect, perfect environment right now. Spiritual. That's exactly what I'm trying to get across. Pardon me, Oh, physical. Okay. So let's talk about the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Dennis, you have anything you want to... Okay. What do you guys think the tree of life is? Because we always hear about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But like Dennis, oh, there's two trees. We almost never hear the second tree. 
Anybody know the history of that? Is it God's spirit? Is it a spirit? Well, I think it's an actual tree. Okay. So if I were to tell you that there is a tree of life, like there's a tree of life on the other side of the or wherever, what, what would you think of? <laughs> yeah, there you go. But it's, it's because of, like, you know, books or movies or whatever. Like, everybody's looking for that fountain of life, right? Like, that thing you can go and like, scoop of water You'll and forever. <laughs> yeah. You look at that. Proverbs 11, 30. Okay. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who is wise saves lives. Okay. Okay. So I, I would say, and, and this, again, this is going to come up later. It's going to be really important. <clears throat> but I would say that the, the tree of life is a tree that sustains and perpetuates the life of mankind. Paradise of God? What's that? Paradise of God. Yeah, I mean, definitely. They're in the paradise of God, no doubt. What is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Is it like a balance? Like a scales? I would, well, good versus evil. Good versus evil, I would say in that way, yes. But, what, but it's one tree. It's one tree, yes. <clears throat> We've all heard the Adam and Eve story, right? Right. Okay. Well, maybe the good and evil is due to the fact that a child just looks at an adult and knows no different. Knows that that adult is just there, loves them. Until they do something that is offensive. Okay, so how does that help me define what 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 the tree of knowledge of good evil is? It's, it's yeah. Help me define. It. You can't define. Okay. So, um, okay, let's leave it there. You, you, your life becomes more complicated when you try to do. Start thinking what's the difference between good and evil. Who's good, who's bad? Uh, remember you said that. No, 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 no. Not hold that against you at all. Because that's going to play into chapter three. What you said is your life becomes much more complicated oh. once you understand good and evil. And so hold on to that thought because when we get into three, I want to revisit that. That's really that good. Great. Great observation, actually. Does that kind of like refer to your decision making, in a sense? Uh -huh. Because a then bit. you know the difference between right and wrong, and so you start making decisions for yourself, and you don't really rely on but, anyone anymore. Just like yes. a child and a parent, you know, they always think, "Oh, I want to be like, you know, and I want to act like an adult now and make my own decisions." You know, when they get to that teenage years, when in reality, they're not prepared to make those decisions yet. Right? And they don't right. realize the implication of right. 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 And, you know, God is looking at us as children okay. because he gave us a set of rules to live by, which hard to do. Impossible to do. I like to, you know, if you look into the word evil a little bit, I think it's become so Everybody defines it differently. Like you're saying, what is evil? What is wrong? What is? But if you just simply go back to it, it it literally just translates as not good. Not good. And so you have good and not good. Yeah. So you have here's God. You know, here's God has just declared for a chapter and a half. This is good. This is good. This is good. Because mm -hmm. I created and I'm good. Everything that comes from me is good. And then uh, it seems to be just saying so anything that I haven't created or anything outside of who I am not good. So rather than thinking like, oh, that's evil or wicked, or it's just like, well, that's just, it's just not, it's not what God would do. It's not what God would make. It's, I think just beginning to think of it through that lens helps us begin to maybe distinguish a little more. So I don't know if I was getting your way with that. No, that's, that's okay. fine. <clears throat> um, we're going to leave the, the tree right where it is yeah. for now. And we'll Chapter 3 is going to be so much fun, guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love hearing Sean teach through 3. It's, I love it's the last. Okay, so let's go to 10. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. 
It was the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold in that land is good. Delium and ox, uh, ox, <laughs> onyx uh, stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which, flowed, which mm. flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Interesting. So, yeah. Well, I know the Tigris and Euphrates, but are these <clears> other <throat> rivers really there in the, in the Middle East? No, uh, no longer. They're not there anymore. They're not there any longer. Um, yeah. Mm, so, and there's a, there's a lot of controversy on where they believe what that happened to the them. garden was, yeah, and after the flood, they think yeah. that things changed. Um, but here's something interesting. <laughs> so, God sets, sets up this garden where man and God commune. And then he starts talking about rivers. Branches. Branches? Or branches. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Does it, so it doesn't talk about the names of the rivers, or it just calls the rivers branches? Um, it says four branches, uh, but it calls them the same names. Oh, okay. Okay. Float around through the entire land. It just calls them branches. So this river is coming, flowing out of Eden, out of the garden, yes. and then it branches out into yes. these four. Yes. Okay. Pretty pretty interesting how God would just randomly throw in that there's these rivers. Eden is like the trailhead, kind of. And oh. the river starts there. Yeah. Interesting. So it's a big pond, is that what you're saying? No. It's... <laughs> no. Let me answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in front of you guys, there's some, some scripture. Would you guys mind just each... Um, Grabbing that and, and and let's go around the room and just read them real quick. We can start where whoever starts first. Uh, there's one here that's not What is it? Uh, I have Isaiah 12, okay. verse 3. Susan, can you tell me what the other one is as well? I'll read that one. 43, Isaiah 43, verse 2. Thank you. Oh, so, so Isaiah 12, verse 3, it says... Therefore, you, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. Okay. Dennis, could you read yours? Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. What was that reference? What, what was that verse? Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel 47 12. Okay. All right, mine's uh, Psalm 65 9. You visit the earth and water it, you greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. Mine is Ezekiel 47 9. And wherever the river goes, and every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish, for this water goes there. And the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Mm -hmm. John seven thirty eight. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Mine is Isaiah 58, 11. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul. In drought and strengthen your bones, you shall be like watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Revelations 22, 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as, a crystal, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of, and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Okay, mine is uh, Isaiah 43, 2. 
When you pass through the water, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. I love you. So if we have a, if we have a, just as Susan said, we have a, a, a starting point in Eden that these waters flow through the garden and around the garden. Um, and at this point, this is all, this is the world that man knows. This is it. There is no, clearly there's more world, but this is all that man knows. Well, it, yeah, that's his environment right now. He doesn't know what's happening. Yeah, and so these rivers flow all the way around it. What what does water do for us? Cleanses our thirst. Yeah, does it cleanse our thirst? Yeah, we read that in John. Right? Cleanses. Yeah. It cleanses. What else does it do? Provides life. Provides life. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think this this oddly placed um, description of 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 rivers is representing. Remember, it's coming from Eden through the garden, around the garden. What's that? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's it's representing that God is is the rivers. <coughs> God brings life. We have life. We have water. God brings life from Eden and everything that those rivers touch. We we read about the trees on both sides and how the leaves. Um, uh, bloom at certain times of the year. And so this water is coming from the throne of God. And I think there's an Ezekiel passage that I didn't catch. It yeah, yet. a few people read a few verses of it, but Ezekiel 47, if you read 1 through 12, I think it is, um, it's such a cool des description of it literally coming, this river of water coming from the throne of God down the temple steps out into the nation. So it's yeah. this picture of I like how Sean said it last night when we were talking about it. So like God's throne is the epicenter of life. And so from his throne, from his presence, really flows the life into the rest of the world. Um, such a cool picture of that. Yeah, it's a statement, right? So we have God breathing. We have God speaking. And so far as any life or any hint of life, began or taken place without God being involved. Absolutely not. So he, he creates life, and now through this water, he's sustaining life. Mm -hmm. Right? You guys see that? Yeah. Pretty incredible, huh? Um, let's stop there. Dave, you wanted to talk about... Uh, you want to you call it a good day? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And so what Sean and I want to do, kind of just develop a habit of this together with class is, as you guys know, um, our heart really is, we don't want to just teach the Bible. Uh, we together want to like learn how to read the Bible together. Um, it's a good old, you know, cliche of um, give a man a fish or teach a man how to fish, right? And for me, I, I think oftentimes we're, we're guilty of just like teaching the Bible and it's like feeding somebody one meal. But I, I think and when we really begin to grow as followers of Jesus is when we begin to learn how to open the Bible and, and learn and grow and feed ourselves and begin to feed others. And so 
one thing we're, we're really trying to do is just simplify it down and encourage our people in our church to say, every time you open the Bible, if you just read a passage and ask two questions, you'll begin seeing things in Scripture that you've really never seen before. And God will meet you every morning or evening, whatever time is that you read the Word. And what we're simply asking is, every time you read a passage, what did this just tell you about God? Who is He? What He's like? Um, and then in light of that, question number two, uh, what does this teach us about you and I as human beings, our purpose, our role? And so I just, each class uh, with about a couple minutes left, I want to just come back together as a class and say, for what we just covered in Genesis 2, and we can include all of what, because we did a long summary this morning, yeah. I recognize that, uh, kind of catching everybody back up to speed. So in light of maybe the first chapter and a half of our Bible, what have you learned about God, who he is, what he's like? If somebody were to ask you, hey, you've read the first chapter and a half of Genesis, tell me, tell me who God is, what he's like, what, what would you guys say? A provider. Provider. Creator. Creator. Yeah. Organized. He's organized. Yeah. Gives us parent. life. Gives us life. He's a parent. He's a parent. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Tell you more about that? Yeah. What's, your job? What's your job as a parent? Your job is to take care of your child and provide for their needs. Mm -hmm. Not their wants, yeah. but their needs, and there's a big difference. Mm -hmm. you, you provide yeah. shelter for them, you provide protection for them from, the, from bad stuff. How have we seen God do that so far in the story? If we're his children, running with kind of that metaphor, right? <clears throat> and food. How have we seen God do that? God's doing all the consistent. Sean, I forget exactly what you were going to say. I know we talked about it last night about how God is providing everything we need. Um, and we were talking about it last night. I'm trying to remember exactly how we. The men mentally, physically, and spiritually? Yeah, but I think we said something along the lines of look at, look at the high calling or purpose God has for humanity um, to, to partner with Him, to, to really cultivate, manage, steward his good world he just created but he doesn't leave us without the resources or the ability to do it um, and uh, yeah so he's providing everything we need anything else you'd say we've learned about who God is what he's like so far well I think it's kind of a question on verse 8 because Sean touched on the word planted so I just want to see if we can discuss the word formed okay. a little bit more mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. You want to dive into that now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's up to you. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Okay. Because, I mean, like, well, okay. because growing up Catholic, we have the Lent season. And I noticed yeah. it had just started like yeah. a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. you know, with people with ashes on their foreheads. Right. So basically, what it says is from dust to dust, you know, you're created yeah. from dust and you go back to it. So, and because you just you know, touched on the word planned, is I just want to ask on the word formed. Like okay, so real quick, dust to dust, I really like that you brought that up because what does that imply? That without God's breath, mm -hmm. without God, we are simply just dust. We're, 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 we're literally nothing. But the, the idea of formed is that God took dust, and it's, it's actually more like clay. Clay. Yeah. He took clay, yeah. and he didn't just say, you're going to be like this. He, it, the idea is that he literally created and, and, and bent and twisted and formed mankind to fit his purpose. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I know that it's a relationship. He formed us so that we can have that relation with him. Yeah. Yeah, too. Uh, in the image and likeness, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because... Yeah, because it also separates us from the creatures, because mm -hmm. life into us. So last week we were talking about man not having a soul, but man is actually the soul. Being the soul. Being the soul, yeah. Later on, if you're reading the, the prophets, they'll use the same word, God will, through Isaiah and then Jeremiah. If you guys want to jot down Jeremiah 18. God has Jeremiah the prophet go down to the potter's house um, 
and you said, just I just wanted to observe and see what the potter's doing as he's shaping oh. or forming the clay. Yeah. And it says, and the vessel he was making the clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. So picture like this potter's wheel mm -hmm. where the potter's spinning it. And he reworked it into another vessel, another pot, uh, as it seemed to be good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me. So basically, as Jeremiah is saying that potter worked with, with this clay, God starts to say, okay, Jeremiah, uh, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done? Uh, behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. Uh, so God is just using that imagery to say, you're like clay, you're like the dirt of the earth, and, and I'm the, the potter that's shaping you in exactly, you know, a potter is creating something that will be, to go back to Sean's definition of good, right, something that will serve its purpose, mm -hmm. its intended purpose. So when a potter goes to make, take clay and make something, he has a purpose for that thing he's about to make. And it seems to me that's the same language as God is saying, I'm the potter, you're the clay. It says that later on in Isaiah. Um, and I'm going to shape you for your exact intended purpose. Mm -hmm. Which is, I mean, we spend a lot of time in, in the end of chapter 1, Genesis 1, just saying, what is our purpose, right? So, and is that helpful at all, or are we yeah. all over the place? Yeah. We're kind of touching on that, too, with us by the study about us being the clay, so we're like the pot. Yeah. And as we go through life, when we start to sin, and, you know, um, then we start creating cracks in our lives. And God's word, yeah. when we become saved, God's word fills in those cracks that we get and makes us whole. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you say that because here it talks about form, and, and, and it, it seems to be speaking a language that it's complete, the form is complete. But as we get a new life, that's yeah. where that's we're born again, you know, the language of, of, of Romans talks about how God is forming us into the shape of Christ, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So we're, we're, it's almost like we're being consistently reformed. Um, real quick, Dave, we just got a, a couple of minutes. You asked about how does, what does this tell us about God? Um, what is what we learned today or in the past chapter and a half? What does it tell us about um, mankind in relationship to God or in relationship? So we talked. We talked about what what the what what we learned so far. What it tells us about God? We said He's a Creator. He's a Life Giver, Sustainer, etc. But what does this tell us about mankind in relation to God? What, what's what's our purpose? Well, it's to glorify the Father. Yeah. And it's kind of cool because reflect he's, His light. Yeah. Yeah. And he's given us all the tools to do that. We have some bad representatives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know you're talking about me right there. No. <laughs> no elders. No I see what you did, Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> Not physically. Yeah. But I just encourage, you know, we're going to come back to this, and even as we're studying the chapter each week, be thinking through that. As you open the Bible throughout the week, What's this showing me about who God is? Because that's the purpose. I think sometimes we, we get caught up, we read the Bible, and we think, man, i got to know more, I don't know my Bible well enough, and all this stuff. But the reality is, God just wants us to know Him. That's to, to be in relationship with Him, to walk with Him, like Adam and Eve got to walk with Him in the garden, right? And so to open the Bible every morning and just say, what does this show me about who God is? And what He's like? And then in light of that, how do I walk in relationship with him and reflect him, bring glory to him? What's my purpose? One of my favorite thoughts, um, and I'll wrap up with this, is, is just uh, Jesus' prayer at the end of his life in John 17. I've made this my personal prayer. Jesus says the night before he was on the cross, he says, Father, I've brought you glory here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Mm -hmm. And that was Jesus' very confident and yet humble way of saying, Father, every minute and hour and day I've lived here on earth, I've represented you and I've lived the purpose for which you made me um, here as a king. You know what I mean? And so I love that just to think, man, at the end of my life, I'd love to be able to pray, Father, I've, I've brought you glory here on earth by completing the work you've given me to do. Whatever kind of pot I am, you know, you're the potter, I'm the clay. 
kind of intended purpose you had for me have been served in that purpose. And to pray that confidently at the end of your life, because every day you're thinking about that, that's that's a life well lived. So yeah. Go ahead, Sean. I was gonna you pray to that? Okay, yeah, absolutely. Let's pray, guys. <laughs> Father, we uh, we do. We thank you for uh, our great savior and leader and example in Jesus. Jesus, you, at the end of your life here on earth, were just able to say, I've brought you glory here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And so, uh, Jesus, I, I thank you for um, brothers and sisters here who would spend time early in the morning to want to know you better and to want to know our purpose better. And so I pray that every time we open the Bible, it wouldn't just be for knowledge or to sound smart, uh, but instead, instead to know you, God, and to know our purpose, and then to live and to walk in that purpose um, throughout the day um, in everything we do. May we bring you glory. I just thinking about this verse this morning that you created things to be beautiful, and it's because uh, God, you are beautiful. Everything in you uh, should attract us to you as our source of life. And so may we become more beautiful in how we live our lives and how we reflect you so that the world says there, there's a hope, there's a peace, there's a love, there's a joy and a life about you that I want to know more. And we can point them to you, Jesus. We ask this in your name.